City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome in. You are listening to the Buzzer Beaters podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast with multiple shows making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's episode, we have a guest uh, at Ben UNCC. Uh, I know he has a big following on Twitter. Uh, my my co-host Atticus, he's out of the country right now. Uh, I was joking with him, th- saying that I was asking, "Are you a trust fund baby? You've been out of the country for like the past month." But um, no, nah, just uh, I guess his uh, girl has been doing really well at work, so they got a uh, a nice vacation. So good for Atticus. Hope he's having fun. I believe he's in Cancun. I'm sure he'll share more of that uh, when he gets back. But today, who we have here today? I have myself, your host uh, today, Eric Barnes, and then I've got. Ben uh, joining me here today. How are you doing, Ben? I'm great. I appreciate you having me on. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just happy to get in here and talk some Hornets. I know I'm probably a little bit more excited than a, the average fan out there, right? But, you know, it's still – the season's still going on. They're still playing basketball games. Terry Rozier is going out there, balling out. You know, finally got a, a, a W in the win column. So, um you know, there's still basketball going on, and that means that we have things to talk about. Um, so today, on today's episode, for the first segment, what we're going to do with the trade deadline approaching, 
we'll be talking a little seller hold on a few of the Hornets on the roster. Uh, the three that we'll discuss today are Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, and Miles Bridges, kind of the usual suspects around the trade deadline. Although Bridges is a little bit new in this conversation, but considering his contract and everything, we figured it would um, it would be wise to bring him up today. Um, and then for the second segment, we're just going to chime in on, you know, a few reasons why we're still tuned in and, and watching the Hornets outside of, you know, the work that we do here with this podcast and things that we're looking forward to, to, to at the rest of the year, even with a subpar record. So, um, Ben, as far as, you know, selling and holding, um, where do we want to start here? I guess we'll start with probably the guy that, most people have been trying to get rid of and trade for, I don't know, at least online the last two, three years. Gordon Hayward. With Gordon Hayward, are you selling Hayward at the deadline or are you just holding him, letting the season play out and, and see what that results in in the offseason? Yeah, that's that's the big one. Um, with Hayward, it's kind of a – he's certainly by no means any type of untouchable, but I would highly suggest they don't trade him for – somebody who's making $20 million a year for the next three years. Right. You know, I mean, if you, if you get an offer where there's like a draft pick that that's worth something, then yeah, absolutely. But I think based on what feels realistic, I'd probably just, I'd probably just hold on to him for the rest of the season, let the contract expire. Cause I mean, that's, that's it. There's the, the contract is off the books. There's no need to take back any more money from a different bad contract. Cause no, you're not getting a, legitimate player in return that's making close to 30 million dollars because those players are not right those players they're just not, not available Hayward. you're getting you know davies bertans and something else or you know somebody of that nature and i would rather just start fresh in the offseason than right. have this random 18 million dollar 20 some million dollar cap hit on the book so that one's a keep with the asterisk of if someone gives you an offer you take it Right, of course. It, it's interesting it, a conversation with Hayward because you know for so long in the NBA the expiring contracts have been very, very valuable, um, and that what that's what adds to Hayward this year. You know he's an expiring contract, thirty million dollars, so that would seem to bring more value. But I do think with the change in the CBA, we're really what only like not even a year into this new CBA, or I'm not even sure if it's kicked in yet at this point. So it brings up a whole new situation like of how these teams are going to operate. Now, as far as a return with Hayward, to me, it's always about value. Like, can I get a really good player in return? Is that player, does he have a contract that I'm just going to be tied to him and there's nothing I can do with him? I think that's a lot to what you were speaking about there with Hayward. Look, if, if we could trade him and get a really nice piece back, absolutely. But what's going to come up in a lot of these conversations is, is the return going to be worth giving them up? Like, are, are we giving Hayward up for, what, a couple second-round picks and, you know, salary filler? At that point, it's not worth it, right? But if, say, you know, there's been a lot of reports today. It's funny we're doing this episode today because you've seen reports of guys like maybe Kaminga could be available, maybe Moses Moody, even Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, uh, Davion Mitchell. Those are kind of interesting names that maybe – haven't quite lived up to their draft status or whatever it may be. Um, but it when it comes to these trades, can they put together a package that works for both sides? That's what's so hard, you know. Um, for me on Hayward, it definitely makes sense. I could see the side at least to just let him stay, let the contract expire. Then you have that money to go spend. Because going back to the new CBA, 
Um, there's going to be a lot of these teams and these players that are due for new contracts. They can't pay everyone like they used to because of the rules that are in place. So I think maybe more so now than in the past, letting Hayward expire and having that money uh, could be beneficial because we saw it with guys like Grant Williams last year. Uh, you know, he was with the Celtics, now he's with the Mavericks. Um, that's probably a guy that they would have liked to keep, but uh, the way the money is now, the way the business works, it was just a guy they, they really couldn't bring back. And it makes sense considering, you know, they got to pay Jalen Brown. They're paying Jalen, Jason Tatum. They brought in Porzingis. And, and of course there's other basketball moves in there of why they didn't keep them. That's just one example of, you know, how the business of the NBA is changing right now. Um, but yeah, with Hayward, it just ultimately goes back to return. So can you get somebody like a Kaminga or something like that? That's one team, the Golden State Warriors, where I do think it could potentially make some sense. Um, while we're on Hayward, I mean, I don't know if you've got any ideas of any players that you would be targeting, but is there anyone you would have in mind as far as that goes? Yeah, I mean, the train, the other train of thought that I didn't touch on with Hayward earlier was – $30 million can be useful if you're trying to – if you have someone in mind that you want to trade for. Right. The peop, the person that comes to mind first for me is Wiggins. I've Ever since he's gone to Golden State, I've been, a, I've been a big Wiggins guy, and he's had a really rough year. And depending on where they want to go – I mean, Hayward's not getting you Wiggins, and he's definitely not getting you Wiggins and Kaminga. But, you know, if there's some package there where you can trade Hayward and get Wiggins – I would be I'd be all for that because I if if you're getting the Wiggins you've seen the last two years and he's motivated, I mean that's that's a really, really good and useful player that I'd be willing to to pay what he's owed. Yeah, no doubt. I mean it goes back to in the NBA, what's one of the most valuable things in the NBA? What's everybody looking for? Two way wings who can contribute on offense and play defense for you, which is why in that run that Golden State had, Wiggins was so crucial. He was kind of a superstar in his role kind of player, played defense on Jason Tatum and contribute on offense, and he's a great piece. Is he a number one on a title team? I think it's safe to say no, right? But he no. can be a contributing piece to a winning team. And I think that's really what the Hornets are looking for right now. Yeah, I mean, there's an 18 to 20 point score in there somewhere i mean yeah there's no doubt insane athleticism a little bit of last year year he was like 17 i think and that's you know playing third fiddle to steph and clay and we know clay clay's a whole different conversation but (laughs) clay clay's trying to get his shots up man he thinks it's 2017 still yeah but yeah i'm a big wiggins guy and i would advocate for making an effort because Lamelo, Brandon Miller, and Andrew Wiggins. That 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 sounds really good to me. There's a there's two high high level shooters there. There's you know Wiggins is a really good defender. We think Brandon Miller. He's not you know he's not a defensive stopper now, but we think he'll at the very least be a positive. We would like yeah, or at least I, we would like. I think so. at the minimal with Miller, he's a competent defender. You know, yeah. Is, I mean, is he going to be where... approach all NBA levels? Maybe not, but at the minimum, he's not going to be a Devontae Graham or, no. you know, Terry Rozier has some strengths on defense, but, you know, in the big scheme, I don't have the opinion that he's really a plus defender or anything like that. Brandon Miller, I think, safe to say with his length, he's got enough quickness to be able to stay in front of guys with that length. 
So I, I definitely hear what you're saying there, no doubt. Yeah, I mean that this team desperately needs somebody who, somebody not named Cody Martin. As much as I love Cody Martin, but you know somebody yeah. not named Cody Martin that you can throw it, throw it a one through three and and like your results generally. Well, and when I look at the Hornets roster too, with obviously Lamelo, Brandon Miller, kind of your set in stone pieces at the guard and the wing spot, a player that would complement them very well is a guy that can put a lot of pressure on the rim and also lock up an opposing opposing team's def, uh, best player. So those guys aren't necessarily easy to find, but you know, if the Warriors are looking to kind of blow it up a little bit, then obviously that's that's some, a type of guy like Wiggins is exactly who I would be interested in. Now, when you do these exercises, it's so hard just because we don't know what any of these front offices are thinking. Right. So, you know, the big thing is, with Hayward, I think ultimately, if you can sell him and get something of legitimate value, I think you do it. But if it's like a late first round pick and, you know, some salary filler, I don't really know if it's worth it then. You may just be better off, you know, letting it expire and having that flexibility in the offseason to then make moves to hopefully get, you know, some of these pieces that we're talking about that complements your core guys very well. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. I highly doubt, highly, highly doubt Golden State would have any sort of interest in, in Terry. That just doesn't make sense. They got yeah. Steph Clay. They've already Chris got Paul. Chris Paul, obviously. Yeah, Curry. that doesn't make any sense. But I'm just on, on paper, if I was trading Terry, Wiggins would be on that wish right. list for him, right. too. Well, and with you bringing that up, let's move to Terry now. So. With Terry, obviously, I mean, he's been on a tear this year, man. He's looked about as good as we've seen him look here in Charlotte, and he's had some nice years in Charlotte. Um, he does have a contract. It's not expiring, so it's three years, so that can complicate things a little bit. You know, at the trade deadline, a lot of times teams are looking for maybe rentals for the end of the season or guys who they consider, like, you know, a part of their core. So that's another thing with Terry. It kind of complicates things because how many teams are really going to be willing to – you know, part with legitimate assets to get a guy who they think is a really nice player, but then he ends up being one of their top two or three paid players over the next few years. So that's kind of the complicated part of the Rozier part. But I think as far as Rozier, the basketball player, there's plenty of organizations out there that would want him on the roster, considering the scoring punch he can give you, whether it's in your starting lineup or off the bench on a playoff team. Yeah, Terry is Terry's a tough one because that one also that one tugs at your heartstrings, for sure. Right. Um, every time you know he has a game like he has, and I sit there and I think like, is there a world where you could keep him and find a way to build a winning team? And every time I think, well, to ask yourself, a, is he a good fit? Is he, is he a, a shooting guard that you're throwing in there? for the next three years and thinking you're going to win. Cause it's like we pretty much the entire Hornets fan base agrees that there's three building blocks, you know, three guys you figure will be starters for the next eight some odd years. LaMelo, Brandon Miller, Mark Williams. And do you really think that you need a fourth one on the roster on an eight and 24 team? Obviously the eight and 24 is, is skewed because you know, we got four rotation guys out minimum every game. But building around four starters on the fourth worst team in the league and thinking that's going to lead to success is naive, I feel like. Right. And right. then there's also the train of thought where 
is his value ever going to be higher? I mean, right. LaMelo has been out, and that's obviously inflated his numbers. But, I mean, he's averaging a legit efficient 24-7. and seven. I mean, that's nothing – that's nothing to scoff about. I mean, he's not getting any younger. It's and he's he's six one. So unless you think that he can be this, and I've had people on Twitter say that Terry's on any other team or on any good team is nothing more than like a super six man, a bench spark club, spark plug. And I don't agree with that. I think that there are certain teams that are good teams that Terry can start for, but on the Hornets unless you think he's just this super sixth man that would be okay with that, that you're willing to pay the 20 to $25 million to, I just don't see a world where it doesn't make sense to capitalize on his value when, when it is never going to be higher. No, I, I agree with that. And going back to your point about fit, right? So LaMelo Ball is obviously the guy in Charlotte, right? So, and then you start looking across the roster. Okay, what do you need to put around LaMelo? You need to put defenders around LaMelo and and shot making. Since one of LaMelo's biggest weaknesses is defense, you can't really have a, you know, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", guard, score first mentality next to him because Terry Rozier is an awesome basketball player. I don't want to take anything away from what he does on the court and his skill. He's awesome. But when you look at the NBA today, and the league is more talented than ever, so I think more than ever, how you build a team to fit like a puzzle, how – you know, each player's game complements one another, I think is more important than ever. And when you look at Terry and LaMelo, they're both really good, but they just don't complement each other very well. They both kind of need the ball in their hands. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know if his value will ever be much higher. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. He could definitely contribute to a winner. Again, it's just tough in these conversations because he can obviously play, he can obviously help, but – Hey, what are people willing to give up? Is it something of value? Uh, because here's the thing with the Hornets. Like, the Hornets are not in stage one of a rebuild. It's more like stage two, stage three, or whatever you want to call it. We don't – the Hornets don't necessarily need, like, you know, two, three first-round picks back. I mean, now, I'm not saying I wouldn't accept a few first-round picks for Terry Rozier. That would be great value in return, I think. But the Hornets more so need pieces that can contribute on the floor because – with LaMelo, like, he's been here, what, four years now? Like, the clock is starting to tick. So, like, whether it's – obviously this year, it doesn't really seem like it's going to happen. Maybe they get hot. You never know. But really next year and the year following that, especially with this new ownership, I'm sure LaMelo's camp want to see some real progress, especially if he doesn't find himself in the playoffs. By the time he's 24, 25, he's going to ask out. Like, let's be honest with ourselves – if he's not in the playoffs in the next two to three years, he's going to be out of Charlotte. So when you're looking at trading these guys, if you're trading them, I think you got to get a contributor back. So, and again, it's tough to say in these conversations, but like a Pascal Siakam or somebody like that. But again, is, is Toronto a team that's really interested in Terry Rozier as good as he is with his contract? Probably not. So that's kind of the hard part when you're talking about these different trades of, you know, what's actually realistic to happen. Um, but yeah, it, in summary for me, I'm with you on Terry. Like if you can get the right deal and, and ultimately that's what all these comes back to what type of value are you getting back? I don't think his value is ever going to be much higher unless he's playing at this level, you know, as his contract nears the end. Um, I'm trading him if I can get legitimate return, but it all goes back to 
what can you get? If it's like a second round pick and some like ninth, tenth on the team rotation player, at that point, it's probably not worth it. But if you can extract some value, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't talking about fit. I I don't think it's a coincidence that Lamelo played the best basketball of his career when Terry was out, and then Lamelo goes out, and Terry probably plays the best basketball of his career. I mean that. That doesn't seem like a coincidence to me. And to your point, the Hornets are in no position to just be giving away good players. That, yeah. That's not that's, – that's a bad process, even if the fit's bad. Because at some point, talent wins out, and we don't have a whole lot of that. Um, but I'll tell you what, the, the number one by far thing that scares me about trading Terry is – and this is not an unpopular opinion at all, but you look up and down the Hornets roster – I don't see one other guy on the team that's not afraid to shoot it in the and shoot the big ones. Not and maybe a phrase not the right word, but if the Hornets were to accidentally find themselves in the playoffs one year and be in a situation in the fourth quarter, you need Terry Rozier for that. And there may and it's probably one of those things where you probably can't get there unless you, you revamp this whole thing. But man, I'm not sure who's taking those shots. Lamelo in theory. But Lamelo's, we know he he's not the most polished go-to, you know, isolation scorer. Not that he can't do it. We we hope Brandon Miller gets there at some point. But Terry's been that guy the entire time he's here, and and man, that dude's just not scared of anything. Yeah, I mean Terry's a professional scorer, dude. Like when he's, you know, he's been kind of hot and cold with the Hornets fan base uh, for a while, but. You can see it when he's not playing, especially with Lamelo. It's like, where's the shot creation coming from? Like, as much as I love Brandon, we talked about this a little off air. I love his game, but like, right now in his rookie year, like, I want to see more usage out of him. But all at the same time, I know that doesn't really fit his game very well because at this stage in his career, he's not somebody you give the ball to and say, "Hey, go get me a shot." I mean, he's just not super efficient at it. He's kind of weak, you know, in the paint. Uh, he the handle could be better. Some of that is strength. Um, and a lot of this stuff, you know, he can grow in. And I don't want to make this about Brandon Miller, but, you know, to your point, if you lose Terry, where are you getting that shot creation? In theory, LaMelo ball, but, you know, we're in what, year three? And he's had a major injury every single year of his career. Um, and at this point, it's becoming a trend. And it's like, well, how often is LaMelo going to be ready? And, He's going to have to if the Hornets are ever going to legitimately compete for the playoffs. So whether it's ankle braces or just good luck, hopefully that turns around for the Hornets sometime soon. Um, but next I want to ask you about this third guy. I think this is the most interesting one um, and the least talked about. Uh, me and Atticus actually talked about this on our last episode, the Miles Bridges free agency situation and what that's going to look like in the offseason. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, are you entertaining trading Miles Bridges right now? I'm going to try to be a little unbiased about this because I was anybody that followed me knows I was not in favor of bringing Miles Bridges back for sure. off court reasons. Um, sure. But this kind of goes to the similar point I was making about Terry in that if you're finding, if you're finding your core and that involves four starters on an eight and 24 team that I don't see the significant improvement unless Brandon Miller becomes a superstar. And that might happen. It might happen. But I just – Miles Bridges is tough with his no-trade clause. But 
I just I, I would love to see see them find some value out there. And I saw um Nada Nada Edwards, he suggested Miles Bridges for Jonathan Kuminga. And I'd I'd do that in a heartbeat. Um Kuminga guards better. He's Yeah, younger. I think a deal like that is kind of like you know, you're looking to like coming at this point, obviously he isn't like a great NBA player, but you know, in theory, he's still super young and continue to grow. He's really effective from you know inside or in the paint. His three point shot really hasn't gotten any better since he's been in the league. But the idea is, is kind of you know you're shooting for the moon, and hopefully Kaminga, when he's in a situation where he's not worried about having to fit into a role, perhaps he could blossom. And and you don't know, but sometimes. These are the type of risks that these organizations have to take if they ever really want to take the next step. I do want to say, as far as, you know, with the starters and how bad things have been, I hate to say this because, you know, we're going on two years now, but it's really tough to fairly judge this Hornets team because the reality is we've seen them together for, what, a quarter? And the truth is Cody Martin didn't play that game either. And so – you know, obviously, I don't think the Hornets are competing for an NBA title, regardless, even if they're all healthy and never had an injury. But it's really tough to know what you have just because you haven't seen them all play together. And that's the thing with Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is obviously good at basketball, but he's on a team that's in disarray. And, you know, there's injuries everywhere. He hasn't gotten an extended run with LaMelo as LaMelo's gotten a little bit older and, and started to prove his game. So that makes the Miles Bridges discussion really hard for me and trying to decide what the Hornets should do because, again, if I can get value back, I'm, I'm always going to go back to value. If I can get value back, I'll trade Bridges and, and we'll move on and try to build something different. But if I'm trading Bridges for basically nothing, then I would almost rather just keep the basketball talent on the roster and try to figure it out from there. Um, so like you mentioned, like Nada suggested, if – Kaminga is something I would definitely consider and, and do. Are the Warriors interested in that? Who knows? But it is something where you just get that raw talent on your roster and hope you can continue to de- develop it. Because like I we were talking about earlier, what does Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball need around them? They need, like, strong physical defenders that can attack the rim. Kaminga's weakness, the three-point line, are those two guys' strengths. So it would be a nice fit. Is it realistic? Will it happen? Time will only tell. Um, but, yeah, for me with Bridges – it's just so tough, man. It just depends on what you get. Uh, that That's one of the most fascinating situations with the Hornets long-term for me is what are they going to do with Miles Bridges? Yeah, and, of course, there's the impending free agency and Miles Bridges. I mean, he if he, he wanted he wanted a massive contract last offseason, and even though he hasn't been great this season, I mean, just the fact that if he puts together a full season, I'm sure he would feel like that's enough to get his – well upwards of upwards of a hundred million and I'm not particularly comfortable with that. He's a good basketball player. He's not a player that I'm convinced right. is worth um anything near a max contract when especially when you already have a max contract or yeah, a max contract on the roster. I mean that's that's a whole lot of money committed to two guys with one combined all star appearance and that's LaMelo. We know that's a whole different situation. I mean, he was well on his way to being an all-star this year. Um, but that's just, that's tough. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather see where that money can go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, and you know, I referenced it earlier with the new CBA and I don't think the market 
is really going to be there for Miles in the offseason as far as, like, don't get me wrong, he'll have a market. But as far as $30 million contracts, who's going to pay Miles Bridges $30 million? We might be surprised. <laughs> we, I think in the past we could be, but with this new CBA, how things have changed, I don't think so. And if you look at Kelly Oubre last year and the year before, Oubre was a solid player for the Hornets. Was he, like, all-star level? No. Is Bridges better than Oubre? Probably. I mean, I could debate it if I really wanted to, but for this exercise, we'll just say he is. But when he went to free agency, he was on the Hornets. A lot of, you know, whether it's good or bad or fair or whatever, he went to the offseason, and since the Hornets weren't very good, he didn't contribute to winning, in quotations. So he didn't have all these offers. He signed for like a vet men. With the baggage that Miles Bridges brings, combined with the fact that he's on a what is today a seven and twenty-four Hornets team, or an eight and twenty-four, excuse me, who's going to sign up to say, "Hey, Miles Bridges, we want to give you thirty million dollars, so you're going to have the second or third role on our team." I just don't see the market for that popping up. I think Bridges is going to end up being more in that fifteen twenty range. Now, is he going to like that? Probably not, considering he was probably going to get close to thirty million a few years ago, but. It's just one of those things. I don't know if the demand for him is really going to be that high where people are going to say, hey, let me give you $25, 30000000 million, and, and you're our guy. Yeah, basketball-wise, I mean, something along the lines of 15 to $20 million is, is – I mean, that's that's probably a good deal for the Hornets. Um, it's just that whole, that whole situation is a tough one, and it's impossible to remain unbiased. And, you know, that's – that's just that's a tough that's a tough one for me. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Well, so in review, you know, to me, I've always gone back to it just depends on value what they get back. I'll deal almost anybody if depending on the value I get back, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter. That's just how I would operate. But in summary, I'm gonna say Gordon Hayward. I would I would sell Gordon Hayward. That's what I would do. Terry, I'm gonna say. I'll hold him because I think Terry is the type of guy that you would get more um, value for in the offseason. And and that's really for most players, you, you know, when they, more people are looking to move around, there's more players, you know. I think front offices are more willing to make moves. And Bridges, I think ultimately is going to be a hold for me just because I don't know, again, I don't know who's really going to give up a ton for him. And it goes back to we just haven't seen – these guys really play together because injuries or suspensions or whatever. And the way Miles plays the game, it does complement LaMelo's game very well when you go back to building a roster and the pieces fitting together. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, for you, what is your final verdict on those three with the sale or the hold on those three guys? My final verdict would be Gordon Hayward gauge the trade market, but if you're not getting some sort of legitimate, you know, if you're not – don't trade him for a second round pick and a guy making and some salary fillers that aren't expiring, you know? So I would keep hold on until the off season with an asterisk. Terry, I'm probably, I'm probably selling that because I, I, I hear your point on more value in the off season, but I think as it pertains to Terry and even Gordon Hayward too, I think people are more likely to convince themselves that a player like that is the missing piece at this yeah. point in the season, especially with Gordon Hayward. So that's the – even though that's kind of contradictory to what I just said. But I think I'd try to capitalize on that value now. Miles Bridges, 
I'd also try to probably try to see what I could get for him right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it always goes back to value. If I can get legitimate players or really valuable picks, you know what? I'll probably do it. But if it's yeah. just, you know, trying to shed a salary or a player off my roster for basically nothing, I'm probably better off keeping a talent. Absolutely. But with that, um, we will roll over to our second segment. But before that, I want to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by AllHornets.com, a credentialed Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. AllHornets.com aims to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets, from breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis. AllHornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, Ben, you know, as we talked about, you know, things have been rough. 8-24, I guess, Kobe here right now as we sit here and record this. By the time this is out, you know, there will be a game played. They, they, the Hornets take on the Bulls tonight, uh, Friday night, or Friday afternoons when we're recording this. Um, what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year, man? Because things, you know, obviously are a little bleak right now in Charlotte Hornets land. Is there anything that – you know, you're hoping to see whether it's players or, or coaches or, you know, strides people make. What is it that you're looking for this year, Ben? Well, the number one thing is is a bleak one. I really hope Mark Williams isn't cooked. That yeah. that whole situation leaves a bad taste in my mouth because um, it just, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And here we are like almost a month later, and we've gotten no updates. They just recently decided that he was not doubtful anymore. He's just out. And whether that's to make sure they don't get in trouble or whether that's because 
He's had some sort of setback. Who knows? I really don't like that. The Lamelo injury is a little. That's that one's much more straightforward. We saw him do it. We saw, you know, we in, in theory this will be like the other ones. He'll come back, be a little rustier than, you know, heaven forbid, get hurt again. But <laughs> you know, we we hope that doesn't happen. But we've seen this with Lamelo before. We know how it goes. We haven't seen this with Mark Williams. We don't. Back injuries are scary. Look at Ben right. Simmons. Took Michael Porter Jr. a couple years, so I really hope that he is okay. I hope that, you know, I sit him for as long as you got to, I guess. But, you know, I hope this isn't some sort of lingering issue. And I guess there's not a ton of way to know that unless he comes back and finishes out the season. So, LaMelo and Mark Williams' health is, I mean, that's that's priority one. As far as things I'm looking forward to, I mean, that's an obvious – Brandon Miller. I mean, of course, Brandon Miller was awesome from day one. And the, 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 the exciting part for me about Brandon Miller is I thought that I thought that if he was going to have a good rookie season, it would be because he was shooting the three well. Brandon Miller was having a great rookie season, has been having a great rookie season, whether he shot the three well or not. I mean, at oh, one yeah. point he was shooting sub 30% from three, and he was still, I mean, and he was still awesome. He has made some incredible defensive plays. The mid-range shot is much, much farther along than anyone could have ever really predicted, whether you believed in it or not. Right. Um, With Brandon Miller, it's just you hope to see him grow the way he did it at Alabama because I don't know if you've seen the numbers that, like, the first handful of games at Alabama, he was shooting, like, 40% at the rim or something like that, some egregiously low number. But for the last handful of games, it was – a very good percentage. I don't know what that number was, but something like that, something where he's getting to the rim a little easier because he's got the skill where he makes a lot of these little tough floaters, hanging jump shots, things of that nature. And he's got the athleticism where he tries to dunk on a lot of people. And I appreciate that. I'd like to see him get to the rim and just, and just finish a little bit more, but every pretty much every Hornets game at this point, especially with no Lamelo, it's, okay, I get to watch Brandon Miller. And, of course, Terry Rozier has been super exciting. I'm excited to watch him play. And, you know, Nick Smith is fun. But it's I'm excited to watch Brandon Miller play. And that's that's pretty awesome, I think. And so that's that's fun. Yeah, man, I I couldn't agree more on the the Brandon Miller thing. And, and, you know, that may be a little obvious for a lot of people. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, that's the main thing bringing me back is – you know, I like I was a big Brandon Miller fan, you know, last November when he was at Alabama. And this is long before like lottery odds or whatever. You you may know this, right? Because we're in the, a Discord together and I was, you know, cheering for Brandon Miller the entire time. I was getting a little pushback here or there. But look, man, the guy is really good at basketball. He can shoot, he plays, you know, a cerebral game. For for Brandon Miller in the future, I think it's a lot about just getting in the weight room. And continuing to just grow his game and and figuring out, you know, picking his spots and really becoming like a student of the game. In um, before the draft, even I, it was in one of our mock drafts we did. Um, I projected him to go to the Hornets. And my, and my write up, what I said was, Brandon Miller's upside because you know everyone talks about upside in the draft. Like it, I feel like everyone always talks about that. Like it's about oh, like. He's an athletic specimen, so he has upside. And I get that. That makes a lot of sense. But in these pre-draft, like when people talk about prospects, 
everyone forgets that a lot of upside can be tied to being a high IQ player. So what I wrote about Brandon Miller, his upside is tied to getting stronger a and continuing to grow his basketball IQ and pick his spot. So to get back to tie it all back into the topic here, it's really about, you know, a lot of what you just said, continuing to finish better around the rim, hopefully seeing that. Now, is it all going to happen overnight? Hopefully so, but likely not. Right. So, just hoping to continue to see that because a lot of these, you know, two-point field goals he's taken, they are high degree of difficulty. But I think it's just because he doesn't really have the requisite strength at this point to really go in and impose his will in there. And while Brandon Miller does have, you know, some crazy highlight dunks or attempts, you know, whatever you want to call it, I think one reason why he may struggle sometimes in the half court and and getting to the rim to me, I think he's a two-foot jumper, right? So with that, you know, he can't just drive in off the dribble and then go up with one and explode off of it. He's more like a two-foot jumper where that's where he gets his explosion. So that limits his vertic verticality in the half court to, you know, rise up over defenders. Um, but, yeah, just continue to watch him play and grow, hopefully continue to knock down shots, play good defense. Obviously, he gets a bunch of charges, kind of reminiscent of, you know, a fan favorite of Cody Martin may be a little strong, but obviously Cody's got a lot of fans out there. A lot of people love Cody's game. But to see, you know, someone like Brandon Miller, who does have, you know, a little bit of star upside, um, it's awesome to just see a guy his age have a mentality like that. So I think from that aspect, it's a joy to watch him play ball. Um, you mentioned it briefly. Nick Smith, man. Nick Smith can play ball, dude. And, and he's one of my guys, like – he was, you know, me and Atticus have talked about it extensively. He was a top five projected guy. He slipped for odd reasons. But this year, I mean, I can't even really recall, like, a bad game from Nick Smith. Like, really, every time he plays, I mean, yeah, he may have a bad quarter or two. But if he's getting enough, say, 20 minutes, sooner or later, he knocks down a shot. And a lot of times, they're, like, high degree of difficulty, step back, like, in-your-face shots. So, like – Nick Smith has been a breath of fresh air in a season that has been, you know, pretty tough for a lot of Hornets fans out there. Yeah, Nick Smith is, I feel like, your classic example of a rookie who – is he a good NBA player right now? No. You know, I mean, he's not getting minutes on any good team, but that's that's okay. He's he's fun. The flashes are there. He is, he is a good – and I, I don't want to call him bad. He's – kept he's been he's had very good moments but like he's a good bad rookie if that if that makes sense um he i really the thing that stands out to me most outside of just the fact that he can really shoot is he competes defensively so 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 well his technique needs work he gets beat back door some but he competes well enough that there it's easy to see a defender in there it's, um, it's not a question of effort with Nick Smith. No, when he's on the never. court, you can tell he's giving it his all. Like, you never have to question Nick's motor. Not at all. And the the thing that does concern me about Nick Smith is that, like, kind of that archetype of player, your little 6'3", right. 6'4". Six, six, I mean, that he can't be more than about 175, 180 pounds. Uh, off guard, that's – it's not it's not the most valuable thing. You know, if you're, if you're Anthony Simons – if you're, heck, Terry Rozier, if you're Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson, I mean, there, you see flashes of an Anthony Simons, of a C.J. McCollum, I feel like, and Nick Smith, just because, I mean, he's super skilled. He's got a great handle on the ball. He's super, super shifty. 
and he makes tough shots. He takes and makes tough shots regularly, and there's always a place for that guy in the league. Whether or not he is strong enough and defends well enough to be a 25-plus-minute-per-game guy is yet to be seen. But if he's able, if he bulks up and if he becomes a guy who you can trust to guard, I mean, he can really shoot it. I mean, that's that's the big one. Is that something he is good at and provides now? I mean, you could put him on the floor in a playoff game, and he can shoot it, and he can create his own shot, not at a high level, and he's not a guy that a good team would ask to do that right now. But, I mean, there's just, as we said earlier, talent wins a lot, and that kid has, all, has a lot of talent. Yeah. Yeah, I have to push back a little on what you were saying there. Like, he was – kind of like a bad NBA player. And and I get what you meant by That's that. Like fair, yeah. he That's I think what fair. you meant is he's not really getting minutes on like good teams, right? Like yeah. Just like his archetype, but like as far as his handling stuff, creating shots, everyone talks about the shot making, right? And that's been awesome. But like he has a really tight handle. Like he and he's got a lot of moves in his bag that he can make to get open. Um but I think going back to your point of He's kind of in that combo guard, Terry Rozier type of archetype. That's almost like a dying breed in the NBA. Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. There's obviously always going to be guys that kind of do that. But, like, that's probably the least valuable archetype across the league right now, I think is safe to say. And with your point, he's super skinny. He tries really hard. He's great on offense. But sooner or later, like, there's been some games where – they just post them up and just go after them over and over and over and over again. And if that's the case in certain matchups, obviously it's going to be hard to project Nick Smith to be like a starter long-term uh, on a really, really good team, despite how talented he is. I did see Israel on Twitter, IO handles. Um, mm-hmm. At one point, I guess he referenced this is like a ceiling type of thing, like the Tyrese Maxey type of player. Probably a little ambitious, but I mean, then again, the dude did have the pedigree. He was, you know, top two, top three recruit out of high school, had a weird season. So, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question for him. But to go back to, you know, your point as far as the archetype, it's just tough to kind of see that being like a legitimate piece on a really good team, like as far as like a star on a team, if that makes sense. Um, And then also it – it goes back to LaMelo, too. What do you want to surround LaMelo with? Really good defenders. Is Nick Smith a really good defender? No. Does he try on defense? Yeah, but sometimes really trying hard isn't quite enough. you got to have the the talent and the measurables and, and all that to go with it. Um, but, you know, we've kind of – or at least I've kind of gone off on a rant here. But, yeah, those two guys are definitely the main two things that I'm looking forward to, you know, as the season progresses. Hopefully they continue to grow. To, to see strides from Brandon Miller – you know, that that would be awesome to see him to continue to grow as well as Nick Smith. Yeah, and one more thing on Nick Smith. Bad rookie, that's – well, I, I think it's kind of a hard – I think more maybe more accurate would be obviously inexperienced. Yeah. And that's not a negative thing. That's that's okay. Not everyone is Brandon Miller. You know, Brandon Miller makes vet plays. Nick Smith doesn't. That's okay. He doesn't have to. You should – no one should expect him to. Right. He played, what, 12 games in college, 13 games in college. Trying hard at this point, well, that's that's all I need to see on defense at this point. If he gets beat backdoor, so be it. If he's out of position, so be it. That can be coached. That can be worked on. And I think the, the swing thing with Nick Smith is I don't have any doubt in the world that he's going to be able to create his own shot and knock down shots for a long time. 
the big thing for him is is can he defend well enough to be on the court? Can he get stronger? Right. Can he guard? Can he guard the one and the two? Because if he can guard, you know, your Trey Youngs, and I don't, I mean, Trey Young is a super is a, a all NBA right. player. I don't mean I that. But, you know, saying. Like if he's smaller, competent enough to not guys. be a complete liability. Well, you know, that's 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 great, but Terry Rozier can do that, and the whole fan base has been kind of. We've kind of known that 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 the Terry Lamelo thing wasn't going to work because Terry can't guard the bigger dudes that well. And Nick Smith is taller than Terry. I don't have it right now what he's listed at. I think he was listed at like six five in college, and that's that's just a lie. But I mean, you know, he's probably I guess he's a legit six three, maybe somewhere close to six four. And if he's strong enough and and develops well enough, I mean, there's a world where he could guard ones and twos, and that's the swing thing for him. If you can trust him on guards, he can play. Well, and the way I look at it, too, I mean, I said this because it's been a while since me and Atticus have been on here. This was early December, I think, after his first big game. And I said, and really before he went on this crazy tear, he's a definitive hit. And what I meant by that isn't that, you know, he's going to be this crazy all-star type player. I mean, I don't want to put a cap on him. You never know. He could be. But he's going to work. Like, he's going to be your at the worst, I see, assuming he continues to grow. He's, at worst, he's going to be a sixth, seventh, eighth guy on a team that can give you good minutes and, and kind of be that microwave scorer off the bench. So, and, and the the point I made at the time was, you know, whereas guys like Book Knight and Kai Jones in the past, he obviously didn't work out in trade packages and like quotations like trade packages, like hypothetical trade packages. Those guys back then or now would have no value. It's like, oh, Kai Jones, that's not really worth anything. Whereas I think Nick Smith in a trade today, like say a Gordon Hayward deal, if for whatever reason Nick Smith was in it, right? I think he actually adds a legit value to a deal. Whereas Book Knight a year or two ago, that's just like, a oh, he was just a throw in. Like we don't really want Book Knight in our organization type of player. I think Nick has already proved he has a skill, a, a very translatable skill to the NBA and that he belongs. Yeah, Nick Smith. That's a that's a that's a great point. Nick Smith is absolutely the type of player that if I'm the Hornets, that I want to keep around. But he's also, if there's a deal out there that I really like, and Nick Smith is the player that needs to be involved, I'm probably not losing sleep over that. You know, it's not. He's not untouchable. He's he's nowhere close to that. He's a guy that I'm not actively trying to move that I would like to keep. But you know, there's two real untouchables on the roster and he's not you know Lamelo. you're not right. trading Lamelo. you're not trading brandon miller right and you, you're well, probably not trading boys, but, you know. a lot of times i see online i see people saying you know trade this guy trade that guy oh they need to blow it up and like i get that right but like okay just trading people just to trade them doesn't mean anything like if you're not getting anything valuable in return well then you're just going to be complaining about whoever they trade for after that right so right. like if in a trade, if you're going to get a legit piece back that like actually helps the Hornets win games, like that's when you, you know, you the fans will start falling in love with the Nick Smith, much like I am. But like, let's just say Paul George became available in the offseason and they wanted Nick Smith and it was like Bridges and Nick Smith and whoever, right? Like, right. yeah, you would miss Nick Smith, but to get a legit piece back, you have to part with players that are good. You can't just give them James Book Knight and Mensa, and they're like, okay, here's Paul George. Like, that's not how it works, right? So, 
I think Nick Smith, it, I love seeing him play, and I'm excited to continue to see him play, but it, it's just good that the Hornets seem like they've hit on another pick late in the first round, uh, early second round. Yeah, you got to give something to get something, and people will confuse young with valuable, and there's something to that until, you know, you get to year three, year four, and you've never proven anything. Yeah. Book night, I don't wish anything bad for him. You know, I hope I hope he sure. finds his sure. place, but – Book Knight is he has no value. And I mean, yeah. I don't I don't maybe you could get a second round pick for him, and I honestly doubt that. Right. Um right. You well, know, I was a I big just, book night guy pre-draft back then. Um, but what I didn't realize, you know, I was YouTube scouting at the time. Um, and he looked amazing. And then you watch him play the game, and what I always said, he looks like he's playing the game in third gear, like He's just like moving slow, and don't get me wrong. For some guys, that's playing with pace, but for Book Knight, it's just like everything's so lackadaisical. It just feels like there was no urgency in his game. I think that's one of the big reasons why you know, even on a depleted Hornets team with all these injuries, he can barely still get on the floor. Just because if that's what his game is, with no urgency, and another you know, like combo guard type of player, kind of small, like it's a dying breed in the NBA, and that's just where Book Knight finds himself right now. Yeah, I kind of think the reason, among others, I think the main reason is Book Knight just lacks the intangibles, like like really badly. And I think I was I was lower on him pre-draft, not um, just because he had talent, he could he could score, he could finish, he was athletic. But if you like, you know, you watch him play, and I I remember there's always one clip that I I think of, and it was when. It was supposed to be like a highlight of him. He made like a tough shot in the lane, but there was a guy just entirely wide open down low that he missed. I mean, nobody within a mile of him. And that's kind of the issue with, with Book Knight to me so far is his feel for the game is just bad. I mean, he, yeah. I see people, that's how bad it's gotten is that people want to try Book Knight. And I, I get it. I mean, we, we have, we have some pretty rough stretches, but. There's a reason why that there's a reason yeah. why he doesn't. Play. I mean, the whole bring him into score, he has not once in his NBA career proven to be able to do that. Not yeah. once. He's had like yeah. maybe two or three good games, but he doesn't. He doesn't go by anybody. The whole thing that he's supposed to do, you know, this get to the rim, make shots guy. He's like a sub thirty percent three point shooter that I don't know if I've seen get to the rim once. Yeah, he has like a. Rucker Park type of game, if that makes sense. Like yeah, he's I mean, he he's got some nice play. moves, but like, is it conducive to winning NBA basketball games? To this point, that hasn't proven to be true. He's um, a better defender than offensive player at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and kind of off that conversation, and I, I don't want to go too long. I, I think people forgive us for not totally focusing on, you know what are we looking forward to? Cause I don't think a ton of people are looking forward to a ton of stuff, unfortunately with the Hornets right now. Um, and I think we've kind of covered the main two things is the two young guys. Um, but with the draft, like thinking about the draft, like, you know, we talk about these guys that have these crazy traits and I kind of mentioned it earlier. That's something that I've kind of adjusted in the past few years, especially where the Hornets are now when I'm looking at the draft now, it's been talked about. I would be happy to move the pick for the right player. But when I'm looking at the draft, I'm getting more away from wanting guys that have these, you know, super crazy athletic, super perfect build. Like, I think a lot of it is just about high IQ players. You look at the Nuggets, you look at the Celtics, 
You look at the peak of the Warriors. What did they have? They had obviously they had skill, but it was guys who played the game the right way and basically played team basketball. And I think for the Hornets, that's kind of the type of guys you need moving forward. Like I liked Ron Holland for a while in this upcoming draft, but the more I've looked into him, I don't think he's anything. The soonest he's going to contribute to a team and actually in a winning role is probably three, four, five years down the road. Now that's a conversation for another podcast. I could go for hours on that. Um, but I want to wrap it up here soon. Do you have any other things that you wanted to point out about the Hornets and for this season on, on, you know, uh, just anything to look forward to. Hey man, shout out Nathan Mensa. That's, <laughs> that's about all I got. He, Nathan Mensa has been a bright spot. I, I enjoy his minutes. He, he's really, really smart. And I mean, you kind of hope so for a 25 year old rookie, but he's really right. smart and, he plays. He plays. He plays really hard, and I. I think he's been a legitimately helpful player. Shout out Nathan Mensa. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw this, but Ashley on one of the recent broadcasts, he is uh like getting his master's for finance and wants to get into like sports, um, like agent type of thing and and help people with their money. I thought that was pretty cool. So good for Mensa, man. We love Mensa on this podcast. We love um, Mensa. And one last thing I want to add, and this is – I feel like after, like, year two, year three, like, the young players, like, people aren't as excited to to watch them, like, at the end season if things are bad. But I do want to say Nick Richards, he's progressively gotten better since he's been here. Has he been perfect this season? No, he's had some bad moments. He's had some good moments. But I do like to continue to see his growth and development because I'm not saying he's going to be this amazing player, but I do think he's going to continually – he's proven that he continues to get better throughout his career – and I think a lot of these reps, even though a lot of these games may be meaningless, he's getting good reps and consistent minutes. And I think it's something that will help him as he moves into the summer. So I like to see Nick and how he continues to play to uh, end out the season. Yeah, Nick's just got to – he's at some point he's got to figure out how to use all that strength and athleticism because he's got a bunch of it. Oh, yeah. If, we, no if he can figure out how to use it, he could be a legitimate backup. No doubt. Well, look, man, I think we'll wrap it up there. I want to – uh Appreciate all the listeners out there for joining us. I know it's it, it's been tough out here, man, but we're still sticking with you. We're, we're still rocking with the Hornets, and we'll be here till the end of the season. I want to thank Ben for joining me today. Uh, shout out to you, man. Without you, I'd be up here talking by myself, and who wants to hear me talk by myself for 30 minutes to an hour? Probably not very many people other than my fiance. But, uh, yeah, man, shout out to you, Ben. I appreciate you coming on here. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. It's- had a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Well, look, uh, guys out there, follow the the Twitter, uh, buzzer beaters. It's A underscore Hornets underscore pod. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm underscore E underscore Barnes. Ben, who's with me today, I know a lot of you guys follow him. Ben, H-U-N-C-C, did I get that right? That's right. All right. So, yeah, follow my guy, Ben, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.